I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. It helps me unwind, and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Welcome to I Like Beer, the podcast where we discuss great beers and the stories that go with them. I'm your host, Jeff, and I'm not flying solo. I got Sound Guy Tom here. Check one, two, check one, two. We're friends who love good beer, telling stories, so we turned it into a podcast. Teachers by day, beer drinkers by night, lucky enough to live in North County, San Diego, California, beer mecca within a beer mecca. So please pour yourself a beer, pull up a bar stool, and join us. As we've asked all summer, please take a moment to rate our podcast on Apple Music or Spotify. Leave a comment if you can. That's a big help. Every time we've asked, you've done it. And those numbers are really showing that. So thank you. So big day for us, Tom. Big, big day. But one I've been looking forward to since we started the podcast three years ago. You've talked about this one a lot. I have talked about this one a lot. This is a very special place to me going back to the summer of 89. Perhaps it was the summer of 90 coming out of Comic-Con going over the Columbia Street and having an amber ale with my wife, girlfriend at the time. At my wedding, I've talked about this. We yep. would not settle on a venue until they allowed us to have this particular beer. Yep. yep. Said we, we turned down a lot of venues till we found one that said we could bring in kegs from this brewery um, that couldn't serve my guests anything less. Ever, family events, graduations, birthdays have always been held here. This place is Carl Strauss Brewing. In fact, I got to meet Carl Strauss once. Got to take a picture. I've seen it. It's, it's awesome. yeah. So I'm tingling. I, I feel like I'm on hallowed ground. And better yet, we are at Carl Strauss Brewing Company, and we are joined by Master Brewer, co-host of the 91X Beer for Breakfast Show, Paul Segura. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. That's a very flattering uh, introduction there. And fellow Aztec, I found out. Yeah, class of '94. Yeah. Congratulations and welcome. Or thank you. thank you for having us. Thank I'm, welcome. For having I'm used us. to welcoming Stop people to the studio. Our oh. pleasure. Great to have you guys. I'm giddy. As shower guy shows. Paul would say, I'm down. giddy as a schoolgirl. Um, <laughs> so, Paul, thank you for having us. And, and cheers. Cheers. Because you started us off with uh, Red Trolley. We had it on tap. And why not? This was our first Christmas beer in uh, 89. And it was well received. And we just kept brewing it. And it's still doing great. It's a favorite. Right, it really is a favorite of mine for a long time. So, thank you for that. <laughs> sure, my pleasure. Thank you. It's almost like you get Oktoberfest any time of the year. year round. Exactly. There's something about it that has that autumny, autumnal, mm-hmm. but it's cold weather, hot weather beer, an absolute favorite. And it goes great with a lot of different foods. Right, right. pizza, that- meats and marinaras, uh, burgers, Definitely. anything Italian. Yeah, anything Italian. yeah, and it has that. And yeah, I don't do the, a lot of the mouthfeel correct lingo, but it has that softness, just kind of that smoothness on the palate that's just so pleasing. Kind of chewy. Yeah, yeah. There so you go. Caramel and toffee. That's it? Yep. With a little bit of toastiness in there. It's like you had something to do with it. Uh, I actually, <laughs> I've been brewing it for a long, long time, over 20 years now. <laughs> I've so, heard a lot of superlatives, a lot of descriptors for it. I imagine they were always good. It's a beer that, that gateway beer. Like, I don't like beer because maybe all you've had put in front of you are IPAs or all you have had put in front of you is Coors Light. This is a gateway beer. You'd have this and you'd say, oh, here we go. What's this yeah. about? And it's one that stood the test of time, I think, yeah. for me anyway. 
It's I think when most people say gateway, they're they're using it as a compliment. But I think in certain brewing circles, there's a snobbery or something that you know making a gateway beer is not edgy and it's not you know exciting or whatever. It's kind of seen as um, you know old and stodgy, perhaps. Really? Okay. So I'm be careful with my my use. Oh, I know. I know your heart's in a good place. <laughs> right. So I'm not taking. But to it. me, there's something like the traditional lager. Right, a, a well-crafted, which we see all over San Diego this summer. Thank goodness, just a well-crafted lager. Well, that, Carl that, that's, used that's to say that beer is a social beverage, and um, you should be able to drink several in a social setting and still have, you know, most of the faculties you came to that <laughs> to that party with. And you know, he used to say beers for drinking, and you know, try to make a beer that people are going to enjoy. A broad range of people are going to enjoy. And, you know, I think that's that was our MO for many, many years and still sort of is, you know. We're doing some edgy stuff now, but we still make beers like Trolley that are very approachable. So, Paul, tell us a little bit about your journey in beer. We, we talked about San Diego State briefly there. How did you end up in brewing here at Carl Strauss? I started home brewing while I was going to San Diego State. I, was, uh, I had a day job. I was working at Knight and Carver Yacht Center. And there were some old sailors that were homebrewers, you know, at, at that time. And I got to friend a lot of these guys. We all drank beer together after work. One of the guys brought some homebrews. Oddly enough, it was called Monkey's Paw Brown Ale. And I just, at that time, it just wowed me. I said, this is amazing. You made this? Oh, my God. How'd you learn to do this? Right? And he said, well, I went to this this homebrew shop out in El Cajon called Beer and Wine Crafts. There's an old couple out there named... Owen and Audrey Ekbaum, great people, and they teach little classes out there. And I, I said, I'm going to go do that. And that was right at the same time Bush Sr. had the so-called sin taxes going. They raised taxes on alcohol and tobacco mm-hmm. and junk food, all the sinful things, right? <laughs> and uh, I said, well, you know, heck, I'm going to learn how to make my own. And I went out there and took a three-hour-long class and bought some homebrew supplies and started brewing myself. And that was right about the same time Carl Strauss opened up, 89. I enjoyed it. I was a science geek and um, I read uh, Charlie Papazian's book on homebrewing in addition to taking those classes and really just started nerding out on it and kind of engineering my own homebrew equipment and everything and got fairly good fairly quick. I had a lot of friends who were helping me drink this homebrew. <laughs> That's a good and sign. So I graduated in, uh, I had about four or five years of homebrewing experience. Like I said, graduated San Diego State in 94 with a bachelor's degree in political science. And I learned just enough about politics to know that I want nothing to do with politics. <laughs> <laughs> so I took out an additional loan and went up to Davis and went, I was a graduate of the first class of uh, the American Brewers Guild, which was taught at that time by Dr. Lewis. Yeah, Dr. Sedz. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was uh, just Professor Emeritus at that time, um, 94. So he kind of ventured off from the university, and this was his first foray into sort of the private teaching world. And he brought a lot of the grad students from Davis with him and some of the admin people with him. So it was like a condensed version of the Master Brewers program. You had to have all your sciences out of the way to even get accepted to that program. So he was able to just teach brewing to people who were already familiar with chemistry and microbiology and biochemistry and those those things. So it was it was great. 
we got to peek in on one of his classes when we were visiting Sudworks, remember? We did. So that, we that, did. Fantastic. Just place. through the window. We each took a turn. <laughs> but we felt like we'd seen something special. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you mentioned one of your first wow beers, but are there any other wow beers that come to mind in your early days of brewing? I I had a very similar experience to Jeff. When I first tasted the amber lager at the Carl Strauss downtown, I went, Oh my god this it just tasted so fresh i could taste all the grain i could taste the hops like i really it just um i said this is amazing i i couldn't get enough um it was like what's the i think it's a dorito commercial you can't stop at one <laughs> um and i just love that beer so much and you know then i started kind of tasting the other stuff i think they had gas lamp gold and downtown after dark brown ale mm. and uh, the Pilsner memories, um, yeah, and so I started tasting those, and I went, ooh, you know, and then I liked going back once in a while to see what new new beers were on tap, and I was really just trying to expand my knowledge and my experience, and you know, just really trying to sponge up. It, this whole beer thing was, you know, back in the '90s, early '90s, was revolutionary. There was, you know. Aside from small breweries like that, there were just imports that you you know that you could find, uh, and of course Sierra Nevada and Anchor, right. uh, two of my old favorites. Um, and Samuel Adams was just getting off the ground, and like I was always going back to the store trying to see <laughs> what's new that I haven't had yet, and really just try to ex- expand and broaden my knowledge. It was a much smaller selection back then. Absolutely. <laughs> And what do you, the brewmaster, drink on a regular basis besides the lager, I'm guessing? Uh, do you have any beer preferences? Uh, whatever's in my hand at any given time. Sounds like the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm still always looking for new things and still just trying different breweries' interpretations of classic styles. Or You know what? I find myself doing more, more and more these days are going back to some of the classic styles, some of the things that are, I think are sort of being left behind. Beer styles like ESBs and oatmeal stouts and beers, you know, I mean, we live in San Diego, which is IPA central. Everybody makes a really hop forward, very dry IPA in San Diego, a lot of West Coast IPAs and a lot of hazies. And call me nostalgic, I don't know what it is, but I like the old styles. I like the brown ales, the oatmeal stouts, ESBs. I like um, scotch ales. I like, you know, a <laughs> lot like of these the, beers, like this, yeah. you know, the, the, the ladies. How is he not named Jeff? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, when I see beers like that on tap, I absolutely drink those. I go for those. We just came back from British Columbia, the, uh, our spring trip. Every brewery has an ESB. That's awesome. Yeah. That's their that's their kind of hometown style. I love to and hear it. It goes that. back to their roots and their history, but I was just in heaven. Every brewery had a different ESB or a um, what they call them, London Fog London beer. London Fog, yeah. That, that right. Was, that was so I love going to breweries like Bagby because I know he's going to have stuff like that on tap. He makes great English ales, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's a few breweries in town. Deft is doing a great job. I think he only makes Belgian, English, and German style beers. And um, and Mo's just a great guy, so I love going in and, and tasting 
beer styles that I think have kind of fallen out of popularity mm-hmm. with just about everybody except guys like you and I. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I, and maybe because I do surround myself with beer nerds, that I'm finding more and more we were just at the um, uh, Wolf Larson's Ale House, and while they had three or four IPAs, they also had seven or eight varietals that this is not something I see in a, uh, certainly not on a restaurant tap list. Yeah. So maybe if there's enough word and, and people are willing to take the adventure, <laughs> you're one of the people that make this happen. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people, but, um, you know, I, Tommy Arthur um, and I kind of, in Bagby as well, joke about this. Tommy was working at a brewery called Cerveza Real La Cruda, back in the mid-90s when I was working at Hang Ten and before that, Hops. And he won a gold medal at the Great American Beer Festival for a beer called Macanudo Porter. And I said to him, if you and I, this was just a few years ago, if you and I ever get together and brew a collaboration, we should do that, damn it. We need to make the old Macanudo Porter. And I'm really happy to say, I think it was Palooza four or five years ago that we actually resurrected that recipe and made it. And I could retire now. <laughs> did, did I? Tommy's one of my favorite brewers. He's he's got a great attention to detail, and he just he's a savant, you know, like the other guys in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, Skip Virgilio, Jeff Bagby. There's a lot of great brewers. We do tend to cr- to promote them, foster them, and and then give them space to do what they want to do. Did I just hear mm-hmm. you mention Hops Restaurant? Hops Bistro and Brewery, yeah. That was my first uh, commercial brewing job. So that, that is a restaurant that I've brought up in many conversations that no one seems to remember. Yeah. That's where I had the Scottish Ale uh, that blew my mind. Yeah. So there were two locations here in San Diego. Uh, one was in the Gas Lamp. The other was here at UTC. That, that was the one I went to, UTC, with my friend Tony who lived around the corner so we could walk home. <laughs> <laughs> So Chuck Silva, former brewmaster at Green Flash, was my assistant brewer at Hops, which became Hang Ten. I hired him right out of the American Brewers Guild. I think he was the third class or something like that. And he was too good to be my assistant. He was, you know, <laughs> he's always been a great brewer. He had homebrewed before that, and um, I was offered. There became a vacancy, a job vacancy at the La Jolla location, and I was offered that job with about a $10,000 increase over what I was making down in the gas lamp. And I, I declined the job, but I said, you really should hire Chuck, my, my assistant brewer. He's amazing. So you probably drank Chuck Silva's beer when he was at Hops in UTC. And he started winning medals you know, in international competitions immediately after he went there. And um, him and I are still great friends, mm-hmm. and we still you know, hang out here and there. I've asked a lot of people about hops and UTC and and, and just people look at me like they have no idea what I'm talking. And they started to think maybe I made it up in my mind. Maybe it was a dream pub. <laughs> but it was real. And I still it was have fantastic. some glassware or something, some growlers around. Oh, there's an old hang ten growler, but um, actually look, a tap handle from hops right there oh, on my yeah. oh, on I'm, my shelf. I'm taking a picture of that before that's getting posted. <laughs> so the Carl Strauss story Carl Strauss and 91X, for that matter, institutions of San Diego. And I know for our listeners that are from San Diego, it's hard to put into words what institutions 91X and Carl Strauss are, uh, but they're they're essential to the culture we've created here in, in San Diego. So um, my next question is about pioneering beer, Carl Strauss. Um, uh, 
33 years into the game, I believe. What's the same? What's different? Wow. Uh, great question. Uh, I'm full of them. Yeah, we're coming up on our 34th birthday. We're still living at home. <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, um, our two founders, Matt and Chris, are still guiding the company. They're still, you know, um, at the helm. And uh, they're great friends of mine, particularly Chris. Him and I have gone to Grateful Dead shows together. And, you know, I'm happy to say we're friends. So having those two guys at the helm still, you know, they kind of provide the compass. And then having an old guy like me here in the brewery um, kind of minding the beer, I just think uh, there's this mentality, there's this this way of doing things that we have. But combine that with uh, a lot of new talent and um, people that have jumped on the team along the way that provide us a lot of knowledge and inspiration and it's a team effort at the end of the day, but we've got this sort of old school work ethic and mentality combined with a lot of young energy. And, you know, they've, they've kind of helped maintain that pioneering spirit that we've, mm -hmm. that we've always had. There are certain brands that we've been making for a long, long time, like Red Trolley that we're drinking now, that we know we just can't allow that to change or we're going to upset a lot of people. But also, we, we're constantly innovating. We've got a robust R&D program, so we're always looking for the next hit, I, I guess. I, I liken it to music, um, where some of the more mature bands that are out there <laughs> have to drop a new album every once in a while or at least come out with new singles. Unless you're Billy Joel. Um, and then they've got to, <laughs> right. and then they got to make those new singles or those new songs sound different than the prior ones or people are just going to, yeah, you know, that all mm -hmm. sounds the same. So we have to continue reinventing ourselves. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a an line, ongoing process. It's a line that, uh, it sounds like it would be contradictory. We've got a, we're anchored in tradition, but we want to be innovative. But, but the way you described it, it sounds complimentary. Yeah. You know, I think the old guys that are still here um, want to make sure that things you know, that the work ethic and the mentality is rooted there, there's in tradition, but but that's not going to stop us from pioneering. That's not going to stop us from pushing the envelope and continue reinventing ourselves. And I think that's kind of, that's why we're still relevant. We're still around is we're, you know, we're, we're constantly discontinuing beers and, re, and introducing new beers. And we're doing a lot of collaborations and learning and we're using new equipment. We're using new hop varieties that come out, new malt varieties that come out. And so it's, it's, it's ongoing. You can never rest on your laurels, never become complacent. Excellent. Well, we've all alluded to it earlier, uh, but Kohlstrauss is a special place for us. You know, Jeff has a long history here, obviously, you know, dating back to his wedding. Um, <laughs> but we're just fanboys. You know, at heart, we're fanboys. Can you tell us a little bit about what makes it special to work at Carl Strauss? Ooh, um, the chemistry, the camaraderie, you know, I have to put it in sort of San Diego terms, the vibe. We're living in America's finest city and we're making beer for a living. <laughs> you know, we have to put life in perspective. And with that in mind, 
you know, we can't be, we can't come to work. You know, they're, they're, you don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, damn, I got to go, you know, to the brewery and make beer today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, when we hire new people, we look for chemistry. We look for that vibe. Personality. We look for personality. We look for people that are going to fit well with the team that we have here. That's very important to us. We look for passion. We look for the love of beer. We look for, um, that's very important to us. You know, um, a, good, a great resume is, is fine. We've had marketing managers that have degrees from Duke or Purdue or whatever. People that have worked at Sony or Frito-Lay. But I always ask them, do you like beer? What beers do you have in your fridge? What beers do you, like that's important to me as a brewmaster. I need to know that in addition to being smart people and people that are learned and well-traveled or whatever, how I want to know if these are beer people, because that's something you just, you can't really teach. That's something you have or you don't. Everybody here, you know, when there's a new beer or a new R&D beer, it's all hands on deck. We all get together and we drink the beer and we talk about it. We fuss about it. We argue about it. And I love that. And I hope that never changes. Well, follow up on that. You asked, you ask your prospective employees what's in their fridge, beer-wise. Two questions. Outside of Carl Strauss, what's in your beer fridge right now? Ooh, good question, Tom. And then the second follow-up to that is, what is the strangest and most unique beer you've ever heard one of your candidates tell you? Ooh, interesting. Okay, so in my beer fridge at home, I've got quite the cornucopia. I, I still do the 91X Beer for Breakfast show every Friday. In fact, we had Gravity Heights on the show this morning. So, you know, our guests bring extra beers for me, and I get <laughs> to take them home. Oh, darn. <laughs> so I'm happy to say Can that we be uh, friends? <laughs> on this morning's show, we had a great Italian Pilsner and a great double red I rye IPA from Gravity oh. Heights, and um, I really enjoyed those. And, um, and then yesterday, the guys from North Park Beer Company brought some uh, barrel-aged beers for us to test the ABV in our lab. And when they brought those up, they brought a nice Pilsner and a West Coast IPA from there. So I'm really kind of blessed and lucky to be drinking a lot of other beers from San Diego breweries. We've got a lot of great talent here. So um, I don't just drink Carl Strauss. In fact, I probably drink more of other breweries' beers than I do from Carl Strauss. <laughs> Um, so there's it, it, there's always a different selection of beers, normally local beers in my fridge at home. And I share that with my friends and we like, even with my friends, when we sit down at my house to, to drink beer, we fuss over it and we argue about it. <laughs> it's a talk fun, about huh? it and that's what it's makes it It's a conversation great. piece. Right. If you didn't and, want to talk uh, about that stuff, you drink wine. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I still do that, too. Uh, but not when you want to talk with friends. <laughs> I drink tequila and mezcal and all sorts of things, and I like to fuss about that, too. Um, we had a, a friend of the show, Zach Rice, who works at Firestone Walker, and he did three or four years in quality control there. And he said that it's very hard for him to go out onto town and have a Firestone Walker beer because he, his brain goes into work mode. Right, checking the notes on it. Are their lines clean? Is this poured correctly? Uh, and yeah. he didn't have to do that with other people's beer. He could yeah. just drink the beer and have fun and talk. It's kind of a heartbreaker sometimes because we we get to drink beer right off the bright tanks here at the brewery. And I, I tell you what, there's 
it's like chocolate chip cookies right out of the oven. <laughs> it's there's nothing like it. It's just so beautiful and fresh. And then you go out to bars and restaurants, and they're pouring it, you know, through a dirty tap line. And sometimes the keg is sat there. You know, sometimes they store them in a hallway or something, and they're there at ambient temperature for weeks before they tap them. And so they're not always in peak condition or beautiful condition. And sometimes the glassware isn't clean and mm, you just yeah, see a bunch of crazy. bubbles on the side of the glass or whatever. Yeah, that breaks your heart. And I, tr you know, I try not to be that guy when I'm out there. Um, I don't know. Sometimes it's just mood driven. You know, you're like, well, it's really hot. So, uh, you know, it's 90 degrees in San Diego. So I want to have, I'm still a hop head, but I love this Italian Pilsner thing because I love Pilsners and they're hoppy. Um, but there's plenty of hoppy Pilsners. I don't know. It just depends on the circumstances. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't I don't often go into an establishment thinking I want a West Coast IPA, damn it. And, and that's just what I go for. To double back on your second question, the weird beer thing, that, uh, boy, I've had a lot of weird beers. <laughs> there, there have been some... Some milkshake, pastry, IPAs that have come across that have fruit in them, then they're just, they look like a milkshake mm -hmm. and they look really strange and they're viscous. And, you know, and I, I've been saying for 30 years, you can't drink with your eyes. Sometimes you look at this and you go, I do not want to, just based on the appearance, I do not want to drink this. And then you take a sip and you go, oh, wow, okay, it's not quite, <laughs> not quite as bad as it looks. And then you take a second sip and you can say, okay, well, I, I kind of see why people like this. Um, and, you know, each to their own. Everybody's palate's different. I can say I've at least tried it now. Um, I still like beer that tastes like beer. But um, I can see why, you know, there's a segment of the population that, you know, that will gravitate toward that. It's kind of tasty. But it tastes like you know, as advertised, like a pastry. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't wrapped my brains around those yet. You're, you're ahead of me on that. On that uh, <laughs> I try to keep an open mind, right? Because <laughs> at some point in time, a lot of the beers that we drink now were different. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can only imagine Hefeweizen hundreds of years ago. And some, oh, it tastes like bananas and cloves <laughs> and vanilla. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? This beer is flawed. <laughs> and, um, and somehow people became accustomed to that and kept drinking it, you know. Um, Vinny Solerzo brewed, the, to my knowledge, the first double IPA back at the Blind Pig Brewery in Temecula. And that was probably extremely foreign to a lot of people at the time. And people probably returned glasses of it, you know, because they were, I don't know, weren't used to it or mm -hmm. didn't like it. And I mean, look, when Stone first came out, I think they were brewing a lot of really edgy beers that people weren't accustomed to at that time. You know, and they had to do a lot of education and say, well, you know, this is probably not, and they put it right on the label. Yeah, it's right, not right a beer now. that you've had before. <laughs> and you may not appreciate this beer. Um, it so, challenges and tests the palate. Yeah, right. I think it's, it's helpful. Well, I hope all of your listeners will heed this because it's something I've tried to do, is try to give the brewers the benefit of the doubt when they go to drink a beer they've never had before. Mm -hmm. And try to realize that nine times out of ten, that those flavors 
are probably what the brewer intended. Yes, I do try to keep that in mind. Like be, they, yeah. they didn't put their name on this until they felt it was ready to have their name on it. Right. So I'll I investigate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I can't say that I've, I've those ones that look like a Jamba Juice smoothie. I haven't quite <laughs> wrapped my brain around enjoying those yet. <laughs> so you've got a weird one there. Um, I was going to open one in of these. Your, um, how about we crack that? Yeah. Or I'll share. We can share some yeah. of that. That's also a weird one. That was a collaboration with Boochcraft that we just released. And uh, you know they make great kombucha, but they employ a lot of weird ingredients. And one of their most popular selling kombuchas is their um, grapefruit hibiscus. So we made an IPA with a lot of black tea, a lot of grapefruit, some hibiscus, and a little ginger. It's not sour. When you drink this, I think you get a lot of the black tea. You get a lot of the certainly get it on the nose. Ginger and grapefruit yeah. and a lot of that. So that's kind of a weird one. Well, that's really good. Some people, you know, when they realize when, when they don't realize perhaps that there's a bunch of black tea in there, they think it tastes like earthy and yes, uh, yeah, exactly. That, yep, like tea without sugar, unsweetened tea. Yes, right. It kind of has that thing and other. You know, I've had, I've shared this with guys that I have judged with, and and immediately they say, "Oh, I think this is oxidized," and I'm like, "Taste it again. It's the black tea." And then they taste it. Oh, yeah, that is the black tea, isn't it? And as usual, with all your new releases, whoever does the the can write up gets excited. Yes, <laughs> we always like that. <laughs> We've got a guy here internally uh, who does all of our graphics. His name is Johnny Haliva. He's been here longer than I have. It's great to have people, he, and he likes beer, of course, but it's great to have people as passionate about the graphics and the label as we are about the beer. Oftentimes, you know, we just make the liquid and then we see what the package looks like. Mm -hmm. and we go, oh, wow, cool. <laughs> It's not like, uh, you know, we create this dish that gets served on a dirty plate. You know, we make right. we make something we're kind of proud of, and then it goes into a package that's attractive, and it just kind of makes us all happy. So this is Boochcraft, Carl Strauss, When Worlds Collide, Grapefruit, Hibiscus, IPA, and the IPA is... That's a, that's a selling point because <laughs> you're thinking West Coast IPA, you're all off the board on this oh, yeah, one. The, 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 it should be called iced tea beer. <laughs> right. And, and great, it's delicious. Iced tea. <laughs> yeah, it's well, delicious. originally we set out to make something that was like an Arnold Palmer IPA. And we just found out it wasn't interesting enough. Mm -hmm. And so then we added a lot more grapefruit and, and well, it came out ginger. Terrific. Yeah, that's, that's Some fantastic. Some people may not like this. It's, and it says on the can, uh, warming herbal notes. And, and that's, that is the right way to describe it. Right. right. It Where instead of those kind of bitter, sit you up straight notes of a, of a double IPA, it, it has this mellowing. Oh, that's earth, good. Earth, said, yeah. Earth, yeah. It's, yeah. <sighs> I think the combination of the um, ginger with the black tea lot more earthy. And then it's just got these really lemony hops. We use sequoia hops, which are very lemony. That adds to like this freshness, I think, sort of. It's interesting. Every time I drink some of this, I'm just like, wow, there's there's something I didn't pick up before. Mm -hmm. I, I can tell this is a beer that as it sits in the glass, too, well, more is going to come out. Yeah. And when it's right out of the fridge and super cold, it's going to have a certain... 
It'll open the profile. And yes, and it's going to open. And everybody's up. palate's different too. So some people drink this and they go, "Oh wow, there's too much grapefruit." Other people pick out the ginger, and other people just can't seem to get past the tea component. Mm. Well, Talon, who's not here, IPAs are not on his top of his drinking. He's a Mexican lager. He's a lager guy. Oh yeah, uh, but he's also an iced tea nut. Yes, he's going to love this beer. I can definitely see yeah. that. One hundred percent. Please take the extras. And well, we will then. Share them with your team. <laughs> he, he, he might get one. Yeah. <laughs> He's in Canada having his fun, so uh, we'll, we'll see what's left over for him. If not, he can go pick some up well, himself. Maybe he'll bring some stuff down from Canada for you. <laughs> That's, That's the trade. So <laughs> one last question for you, uh, Paul, and since Tom started the uh, the double question thing, what's next for Carl Strauss? What, what's, what's coming up? We're in the summer of 2022, and, and what's in the plans for Carl Strauss? And... As long as I'm here at headquarters, who do I need to talk to about Pintail Pale coming back? Oh, boy. <laughs> my so wedding beer. He, he asks this all the time. I ask this all the Pintail time. Pintail Pale Ale was my baby. And really? uh, so, yeah, that was a hang 10 beer that Chuck Silva and I created. I just, I still love that beer. It's a wonderful, beautiful beer that, that makes me teary-eyed when oh, I think about it. You and me both. Um <laughs> I still go downtown and brew small batches down there. I'll probably brew some down there. We we did reach a point where, um, oh boy, I shouldn't even talk about this, but uh, we were making that beer, we were bottling that beer, and it had a great following. And I'm not sure how this happened because we password protect our recipes, but somebody deleted the recipe accidentally. Oh, oh. Oh, and oh no. there was oh, only there was only a few people that had access to the the passwords for the you know the recipes, and then I think whoever did it tried to recreate it from memory and didn't do a great job. And I remember being here at work one day, and uh, Matt Ratner came, came to me. He's co-founder, and uh, said, "What the hell happened to Pintail?" And I said. He said, who, who reformulated or who changed it? And I said, nobody. There has been no reformulation on this, to my knowledge. I No, what the hell? So we went and pulled a, a pint of it. And I said, oh, I think somebody accidentally tapped a keg of amber instead of the pintail. And I went and looked at the keg, and it said pintail on it. I went, oh, no. Uh-oh. What is going on? And then I went and tasted. I said, I, I still thought maybe... Amber went into pintail kegs by accident, and it wasn't the case. Somebody had literally, I went back to the, the formulation, and it was nothing like it used to be. But we had already brewed two batches of it, and the damage was done. And I think um, I think we recalled what was in package at that time and, and destroyed it. And I think we just, uh, I think marketing said, well, you know, it's kind of an older brand anyway. Maybe we just pivot from this or something like that. And then we never went back, and I'm still nostalgic for that. It was my favorite. It was my go-to. It was a great beer. I thought it had a great name. In fact, literally two days ago, Chuck Silva sent me a text with a photo of a beer that he found in up in L.A. somewhere that said Pintail Pale Ale, and he had photos of it, and... And I went, uh-oh, I hope uh, we <laughs> didn't let the trademark lapse or something on this. Um, if not, then maybe we need to send them a cease and desist. 
We still brew it every once in a blue moon, small batches of it. Some of our brewers are still nostalgic for it. And uh, they'll brew a small batch. Our Melissa Sanchez, one of our production brewers, brewed a batch of it at Forest Ranch, I don't know, about less than a year ago. Oh. Um, oh. Oh. <laughs> so I go there with my brother-in-law all the time. We missed it. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff at large. No, Jeff. Well, we'll um, find it. Yeah, I, we're going to keep our eyes open. I'll I'll, let, I'll keep in touch with you guys and <laughs> let you know. Um, I'd like to try to bring that back. I still have the original. I still have the original recipe sheets from Hang Ten for that beer. So it's not lost. See, it's still got life. Yeah, okay, I'm not it's giving up the dream. Right. It's in hibernation. I'm not giving up the dream. <laughs> Bring it back to life and <laughs> Paul Segura, Master Brewer, Carl Strauss Brewing Company. Thank you again for hosting us. My pleasure. For sharing your beer and your story with us. Thank you guys for all the kind words and thank you for the patronage over the years. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Well, you can listen back. We got 180 episodes. I talk about Carl Strauss <laughs> a lot. It is a special place and a special <laughs> beer to me. Uh, listeners, thank you for joining us. Remember, just a moment, rate us, review us wherever you get our podcasts. Of course, check us out on Instagram and Twitter. Learn about, buy swag at ilikebeerthepodcast.com. We'd love to keep drinking, but right now, we got to run. B double E double R U N, beer run. B double E double R U N, beer run. All we need is a 10 and a 5 or a car and a key and a sober driver. B double E double